Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. I'm very, very thankful to be here and to be able to gather in your name and worship you, Lord. You, you are so good. And uh, man, I know, Father, I'm probably not the only one that can in this room that sometimes misses the blessings because we focus on the trials and the struggles and the frustrations. And um, Lord, forgive us for that and help everyone in this room today to see uh, your goodness, uh, to see the blessings in uh, their lives. Lord, the fact that they're taking breath today. Um, there are people in this world that would trade in an instant um, to be able to take breath um, easily in this room. And I just pray that you would help me to preach your word uh, and only your word and that I wouldn't get in the way. And Lord, I will give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. How are you guys doing today? Great. Well, hey, my name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. My second week back. <clears throat> I got sick last night, so I thought that I was going to miss again. And then you guys would have started asking questions. And then I get fired. So, took some medicine, I showed up. <clears throat> now, I inadvertently lied to you last week. I know I'm not supposed to admit that. I told you, some people's faces got very serious, like, <laughs> good. <clears throat> I inadvertently lied to you um, because I told you we were going to start the next series today. Well, that's a lie. And it wasn't a lie when I said it, but now it's become a lie because that's not what we're going to do. And I have to kind of be obedient, right, to what I feel like we're supposed to, uh, the trail we're supposed to go down. So that's what we're going to do today, and uh, I just wanted to go ahead and say that now, um, that I lied to you, all right? Just <laughs> unintentionally. <clears throat> so I want to, I want to, trying to think of how to do this. Go ahead and pull up Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. You guys, I guarantee that you, many of you have heard this verse, even if you're not churched, that means go to church whole life. Come to me, <clears throat> all who labor and are heavy laden. <clears throat> Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Who do you think is talking here? Some people always think I'm doing a trick. Jesus? Yeah, it was Jesus, right? And for those of you that don't know a yoke, right, it's what you put on like ox, like uh, to pull wagons or to pull uh, a plow, right? That's that, that thing that fits on them. <clears throat> it's a beautiful verse, a very beautiful verse and a very beautiful promise. Right? And Jesus is saying to me, like this, let me put this in, in plain terms for you. Come to me, everyone who's tired, who's burdened, who's weighed down. The life I offer you is, is light. I don't put burdens on you. Learn from me, right? For I'm not out for my good, but for yours, and you'll find rest for your souls. And he says it again, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like this, he knows we tend to, is it really true? <clears throat> I love this verse. Right? Raise your hand if you've heard this verse before. Yeah, if you haven't, surprise, surprise. Now, here's the thing I want to ask you. And the thing about Christianity that can confuse us, whether you're in this room and you are long-term Christian, you're a new Christian, or you're just seeking, here's the thing that throws us for a loop. How often do you still feel burdened? Right? The yoke doesn't feel very easy. It doesn't feel very light. <clears throat> and AJ, we didn't talk about this. <laughs> we have very different styles. We didn't talk about his intro today, but I think it's pretty interesting because I'm curious too. So do me a favor. I don't do this very often. And keep in mind, I can see you, the rebels in the room, right? Krista's and all those people. And so close your eyes for a second, please. Put your heads down so I don't think you're right. And, and just raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're weary today. That means tired. You've been weary this week. Raise your hand if you feel you've had, uh, let's say, in the last week, you feel uh, discouraged. Yeah. Raise your hand if, if this, you've had moments, let's say even in the last month, thoughts where you're like, man, is this worth it? Is it worth living like this? Yeah. Put your heads, hands down. Not your heads. <laughs> you can look up. And the reason I said that is a whole lot of hands in the room. The majority <clears throat> and so that gets me to thinking. Now, sometimes life is just, it's life. It's going, it's going to be hard. And I think that's what's interesting is, is Jesus here doesn't say my, uh, or he doesn't say coming and finding me and following me is going to make life easy. He doesn't say that. He just says that what I put on you is going to be light compared to what I take off of you. <clears throat> There's a story, before I get to that, I'm fascinated by this a lot. Because there's times I feel really down. 
this doesn't feel worth it. I talked a little bit about that last week. People are mean, right? The world is crazy, and, and sometimes you can look out and you see people living, and they seem so much more happy, so much more satisfied, so much more uh, complete than, than I do. Maybe you don't feel that way. Sometimes it, it, that's what it feels like. How are these people that I know aren't following Jesus? Why do they seem so much more free than I do? Right? Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. We quote these things, but do we think about it? And I know what you're going to say, Todd, you're free from sin. That's true. But it doesn't feel that way sometimes. Right? But that's the key word, feel. So I think a lot about this for myself because I've said this many times. Clearly the issue is not with God. Right? I mean, if this is how I feel and it's not feeling light, I have to come to the conclusion there's only a few options here. Option one, Jesus lied. I mean, he just lied to me. Right? Option two, I'm doing something wrong. Option three, um, that's really it. That's really the two options. Because in option one with a lie, right, it leads back to who is Jesus? Is he, is he who he said he was? Is he a crazy guy? Is he who he said he was? And in Christianity, a lot of times, what I've noticed since I've been part of the team is we tend to say we believe things, and I think we want to. This isn't, this isn't one of those times where I'm like, you liars. We want to with all of our heart. But there's a difference between believing, right, believing, and believing, like really believing. <clears throat> there's, a, there's two stories that I kind of compare. And listen, I'm not going to put the whole sections up here because I already got a lot for you. But I'm going to tell you it, right? There's the story of who's heard of Peter? Yeah, you know Peter, right? The rock. Simon. So I don't know if you know, if you don't know the story of Peter who became, right, the, the big apostle, the leader, the rock of the church. Is this guy is sitting along the edge of a lake fishing. Now, as I've mentioned before, in case you were never told, these fishermen are not like Popeye the sailor man, all right? They're not um, friendly little, little sailors. These are, these are the crab fishermen type guys, right? These are rough and tumble. These are uh, <laughs> rough around the edges. These are not the kind of guys you probably bring home to mom, right, on Sunday dinner with the, the teacups. That's not what, these are not the people. I don't know why I thought teacups, but that's, that's what it is, all right? <clears throat> these are rough guys, and <clears throat> typically they're fishermen because... Honestly, they, they either aren't, they don't have another skill, a talent, right? Carpentry, so those things. Or they kind of, for lack of a better word, flunked out of church school, right? They, they, they didn't have what it took. So Jesus comes along and he sees these two guys fishing. And, and again, at this point, we already know John the Baptist is out there. He's like, hey, there's someone coming, repent. And then there's, it says Jesus comes and says, hey, repent, the kingdom of God is near, right? And they've heard of him. He's not gotten crazy big, but you, you get the sense they've heard of him. And he comes along, and he really just says to them, Hi, what are you guys doing? I'm like, oh, we're fishing. <laughs> and I imagine they're going, we're fishing. And then he says, listen, leave that behind. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, everybody goes, amen. But if I came to you right now, and you are a widget maker, right?" And I was like, hi, leave your job right now. Quit it and follow me, and I will make you a widget maker of men, right? You are not going to probably follow because in your mind, um, that is insane, right? And everyone in here is like, I would do it immediately. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't because you got to pay the bills, right? And in this case for them, it's not just keeping the electric on. they got to eat. <laughs> they got to. This is like life or death. This is not just, hey, my, you know, my Netflix bill isn't getting paid this month. But what it says is interesting is they left their nets and they followed him. They got up and followed him. They recognized he was something special, yeah? They had to. If, if a random hobo came by, a random person came by and said, hey, follow me, they probably wouldn't have went. So they knew something was special about this guy. They probably heard some stories, so they got up and they followed him. I'll tell you another story. That's me flashing ahead. <clears throat> the rich young ruler, the rich young man. Heard the story? Raise your hand if you've heard it. If not, great. I love telling stories. So there's a rich guy. Now, this is when Jesus is much more popular, and there's crowds around him. And this guy comes to the front of the line, and the weird thing is people let him come to the front of the line, which means he had to be pretty affluent, right? People know him. Hey, that's, uh, that's Bob, the rich guy. I don't know. So he comes up, and he walks up to Jesus, and he says to him, he says, teacher, rabbi. It's a term of respect. It means he believed he had the answer. This is important. 
I know you're zoned out. Stay with me. It means they believed he had the answer. And he said to him, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a big question. So Jesus says to him, hey, you know the commandments. Do this, do that, do this. And he says, Lord, I have done all of these. The most interesting thing, this, this is, I'm telling you, I've, if you've been here a lot, I talk about it a lot. If not, maybe this will blow your mind because it blew mine. The interesting thing is it said that Jesus loved the man. You know why? Because he was telling the truth. This man, I, that's, that's a fact. Why would it say that? It said pretty much Jesus like, this is true. And he loved the man. He was proud of him. There's a sense of like, you're right. But then Jesus does this interesting thing. So this guy's probably better than 90% of us. I'm just being honest, on the surface. He just is. He's doing the right things. And Jesus said, you have only, you're only lacking one more thing. Go sell everything you have and come and follow me. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it says that the young man left sadly because he had many possessions. Right? He came to Jesus. He sought him out. He wasn't just fishing. He came to look for him. It means he probably heard of miracles. He knew this guy was special. He came to him, fought his way through the crowd, probably through the masses, having to touch people that he typically wouldn't touch, right? I ain't going to mess with the poor, gross people. But he did. That means he thought it was important. And he gets to the front of the line, and he asks. And after all of that, remember, there's a crowd around. He has to walk away, probably embarrassed. This is a fascinating story for me. Here's why. Did they both believe in him? This is one of the trick ones, kind of, right? I mean, they had to, if to a degree. Why would Peter have gotten up and followed a guy who told him to follow me, even if he didn't understand the fishermen, because I guarantee you he didn't. He gets up and follows him, and then the rich young ruler, this rich young man, comes to him. That means they believed in something. He had the answer. He knew the way. In fact, interesting enough, the rich young ruler believed that Jesus knew the way to eternal life. That's something, that's big, right? But only one group do we know their name of. Do we know their names? The other guy's just the rich guy. Peter, right? And his brother. They followed him. <clears throat> Sometimes it feels like we're missing something, right? And I'm going to tell you right now. If you're not in that spot where you're missing, praise God. I'm serious. Amen. I'm, it's, it's incredible. And you need to spread that joy. And if you're keeping it to yourself, shame on you. But we all go through peaks and valleys. But a lot of times in America particularly, and I believe this, we're missing something. Why is it that there are believers in China or in third world countries whose living, whose living situations are far, far worse than ours, who, who literally rejoice right, as they worship Jesus and give him praise? And yet when you look at us, the majority of time, if you look around it, Christians in America, one, I don't know if you could pick them out of the crowd, but two, I don't think joy is our characteristic. Life, we seem burdened and down, and we skip church, and we do all these things, and I'm, he's picking on me. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you. There's a reason why it's not important to you. Sometimes we make a bigger deal about making sure we watch that uh, Hulu show that comes out on Tuesday than we do going to church. We'll be there at 8 o'clock sharp, right? That's, that's just reality. I'm with you. Have you ever wondered why? You love God, but why is it when it comes to importance, you'll put that Netflix show here and God down here? I don't have, I, it's like I come up to you and I'm like, hey, you know, watch that. I don't have to watch this Netflix show. That's what people say to me all the time. I don't have to go to church. That's just an example. The reason I picked that one is because we're all guilty of that at times, right? But the Bible says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. We'll get to why in a minute. Sometimes I wonder when I think about Jesus in the crowds, right? We got the rich and real. People believed in him. It's so fascinating. So he starts, nobody really knows this guy. Then his own family tries to come and get him as people start to come and like this hey, he's this is our son. He's crazy though. Come with us, crazy Jesus. He's like, These are my brothers and sisters, right? Those who follow the word of God. You remember that part? No? You mean throw a podium today? You guys, how are you sleeping? All right. <laughs> I didn't know I had to stand a single thing you said. Anyway, <laughs> listen, if you're going to talk loud, no, I shouldn't say that because then Juju will start screaming. Never mind. Listen, when I think about people, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting buildup with Jesus. When you, when you watch his life, it's people believe, believe, believe. He does miracles. People believe, believe. We kind of hit this climax when we get up to the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, right? We've got 3,000, 5,000 people. 
That's a lot of people to come to hear him preach. And he does some miraculous things, right? He makes, gives people bread because they're hungry. Just, just because they're hungry. He doesn't have to. Because they're physically hungry. He cared enough to do that. But I wonder, and I mean this, and, in, and when you watch after the, the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds begin to thin. They begin to dissipate. Right? All the way to the cross when who's with him? Who's with him? I sometimes wonder, do you ever wonder, genuinely, think about this. You Think about the hilltop, there's bread. Do you ever think people, you ever wonder if people, if the people whom Jesus fed, like he would walk off, right? If I saw a guy give me, teach me stuff and give me bread and do these miraculous things. But they spent more time looking for the crumbs of the bread than following the bread maker. You know what I mean? They spent more time sitting down trying to find more of the miracle Trying to find more of the moment. I'm serious. Think about this. They would, right? They're, well, it's, it is, this is it. This is all there is. Then following him. Here's my point. And this will tie back. You're, you're wondering, Todd, what's the heavy laden ver- verse? I said verse. That's not a word. Verse. There is a difference between belief and following. Listen to me. This is very important. There is a difference between belief and following. There is a difference. This country is a perfect example of that idea. There are a lot of people in America who claim to believe. They claim to believe. But I would say the popular current of Christianity in America is not following Jesus. And it can become very confusing if all you know of Jesus is what you are told in the building filled with people. Because you're going to tend to go where the crowd goes. But the problem is the crowd doesn't follow Jesus. They don't. If you're going a place where there's a bunch of people, I'm not talking about church, right? I'm talking about direction. That's probably not where he's at. And things become normalized that Jesus would not have normalized. There's a difference between belief and following. And I think a lot of our misery, Christians in the room, talking to you, and in fact, those that aren't Christians will talk in a little bit, but you should still pay attention because this is important. There is a difference between belief and following. And a lot of your misery, your lack of life, your lack of joy, the fact you can't focus, all these things is because you keep going looking for crumbs. Flashy little crumbs, right? Someone tells me this is where I'm supposed to go, and this is where I'm supposed to go, and this is where I'm supposed to go, and this is where I'm supposed to go. So you're not coming to him anymore. You think because you met him once that it's over. Three, 5,000 people met him on a hilltop. But the vast majority of them were the same ones that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. A lot of our misery comes because we've confused belief with following him. <clears throat> One of my favorite verses comes from John, it's John 10.10, 10, right? The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Right? To the full. But I want, to, I want to read this section before that. So John 10, 7 through 10. In this, Jesus is giving this strange parable. We talked about this a little while ago. Strange analogy on I'm the gate and the sheep. You know, I'm the sheep keeper. It's a weird kind of analogy. You've got you to really read through that because he connects himself to two different parts. But essentially what it boils down to is he says, listen, you're the sheep, right? The shepherd comes through the door. If someone comes outside of that, right? jumps over the fence, they must not own the property. They must not own the sheep, right? They're thieves that are coming to steal. Make sense? When a thief is stealing from your house, he very rarely just knocks and walks on in, right? He's breaking your window. He's climbing down your chimney. I'm just getting Santa Claus. Never mind. Anyway, <clears throat> he's doing something like that. So he's, here we go. So Jesus said to them, go ahead, fellas, there you go. Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, abundantly, more than you need. That's why I'm a words guy, so I love the the phrase to the full. It makes me think of a cup overflowing, right? I'm going to give you so much life, and everybody's like, Todd, that's what he did. He gave us eternal life. Yes, he did, but it's more than that, right? Now, if if all God offered me was eternal life and, and salvation from hell, that's probably worth it still, right? It is. That's a trick question. It absolutely is. But he offers more than that. 
I'm going to give you a life you've never had, right? He makes this analogy many times. You, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for water, and I would give you an everlasting water, a spring that, that will never stop running. That's what he says, right? He says this to the Samaritan woman. He says it a lot of times. But here's the question, and you've got to be honest with yourself, truly honest. Do you feel like life is abundant? Is life abundant? Is it more than you need? Is it? Because here's the question. If that's the case, right, and again, life is life, so if you feel this way, but why, why does it, what, those moments when it doesn't feel that way, maybe that's a better way to say it, the moments when it doesn't, because why is that happening? Well, you can give me all the, the, the hard things in life, and that's true, right? There are hard things. Some of you are going through things I can't even imagine, hard things. He still, he doesn't say, I will give you life abundantly except in those moments when life is really, really terrible. So what's happening? We know it's not, is it, is it conditional? Is the life only good on Sunday mornings? Is the life only good when you, you've got that significant other, when money's going well, when the kids are listening, when the marriage is going well? Is that the only time a life is abundant? Here's something we don't want to admit. Many, many times in our faith is completely dependent on our emotions. And guess what? Your emotions are dependent on your circumstances. That's why recently, we got a lot of young people in here, so I say this more. You know, it's funny when you're, you always think about the times where you're like, man, if I only knew now, if I only knew then what I know now, right? The teens and stuff. You have no idea what they're going through. You know, you have no idea what brainwashing is happening. I'm just going to call it what it is. And so they sit in here a lot of times, and they're waiting to be done because they want to go hang out with their friends. And you expect me to be able to change their lives and change their hearts in a 30-minute conversation. When I don't want to, maybe some of you parents need to be scared. There's a moment, there's an age, and I don't know when it is, only God does, when they become responsible for the decisions they make and the choice they make to believe in Christ or not. So young people in the room, if you understand what that means, if you understand what following means, salvation and hell and heaven, if you're old enough to understand that, right, then you're old enough to be held accountable to it. That's scary. Todd, how are you, why are you trying to scare the kids? Because you're not talking to them. You're not telling them the truth. And so TikTok's teaching your kids. And you wonder why things are the way they are. unrelated, but it is the same, <clears throat> because they think that's where life is, that's where joy is, that's where the next flashing light is, give me an identity, tell me what I am, tell me who I am, tell me what gender I am, tell me what sex I am, tell me what I want, tell me, tell me, make me feel special, and maybe if you make me feel special enough, then I'll feel like I have abundant life, it doesn't work, does it, does it work? Only as long as they keep getting fed the crumbs. Five-second video, ten-second video. Some of you in the room aren't even kids, and that's you. So, if you're like me, I want abundant life. I don't know about you. I want to, I want, I don't know, man. Have you met joyful people? I say this all the time. I hate that I'm not naturally like that. Uh, I think I used to be. Maybe I'm kidding myself. But there are people in this room that are just blessed with just the overabundance of joy in life, and they live it, man, and you can just tell, and circumstances don't need to seem to shake them, and it's incredible. It's rare, but here's the problem. Some of you all, like, you zone out already because you're like, nothing, <laughs> that's what you sound like, <laughs> all right, because while I'm talking, you're already thinking about that hot girl, man, I can't wait. If I get that girl, things are going to be nice later, you know what I'm saying? That's what you sound like, right? And you girls are like, mm, look at that guy over there. He looks so good. I wonder if he'll notice my new tights. Anyway. <laughs> I am what I am. Anyway, John, uh, if you jump down, so he's telling us here. So my point is focus. You want to know where abundant life really is? It's not in that girl's tights, right? And uh, it's not in his pretty smile. So stay with me. <clears throat> so... How do we have it? It's so interesting, guys. I told you, follow, believe. In the same section, jump, drop down to 
to verse 27. My sheep, remember he talks about sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. Well, Todd, I do follow him. I'm here. I do follow him. I pray on Sundays. They follow me. Why would Jesus say that? He doesn't say, and they believe in me. Why does he not say that? My sheep, right? No, my, I know my sheep. They know me, and they believe in me. Here's a secret. I'm giving you the, the, uh, the main point early, all right? <clears throat> Faith and belief is only testing, it's tested and proven in the following. It's easy to say that I believe in the parachute if I'm chilling on the ground. Right? It's easy to believe that this, I believe in this parachute. It's going to work great. I'm not saying Jesus' parachute, but it's good for you to understand. It's a whole different matter when the door is open in the plane and I'm supposed to jump out. Jesus knows that our faith and belief is not going to be shown in the good times It's not going to be shown in the times we are happy even, right? It's not going to be shown in the times we feel like it. It's going to be shown in the times when we have to follow. Where? Good question. John 8, 12. It's actually before this section. Again, Jesus, I love it. It's like the Bible, the Holy Spirit's constantly reminding us, again, again, again. Hey, pay attention. I've said this 17 times. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever what? Whoever what? There we go. Be confident. It's right there. Anyone who follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life. I lo- this is the Christian earmuff thing. Some of you all are like, I understand. I sang it when I was four. Jesus is the light. I don't even know if that's a song because I didn't grow up in church. But you get the point, right? You think, you know, literally hear what he's saying. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So, if that's not just a pretty analogy, it is an analogy to a degree, but it symbolizes something. What's the implication then to those who don't follow him? What will they be in? Darkness. Yeah, I got to do this. This is what it says. See if you're paying attention. Darkness. I got to ask you a question. Darkness. Listen to that. How many times, guys, I'll raise my hand if you don't want to. Does your life seem kind of dark? You don't know the way. It's scary. It doesn't seem worth it. That's why I asked you that question. The times that it doesn't seem worth it are the times it feels darkest. That's just reality. When the burden gets heavy, when we start to do the simple little thing of what if, that can lead to a, a crazy place. What if that isn't true? What if this isn't where I'm supposed to go? The questioning reminds me and this will creep you out when those moments come. That first sin itself, the brokenness of this world, started with a simple question asked by the serpent. Did he really say that? Did he really mean that? That's how it started, right? No. He just doesn't want you to be happy. He, it's okay. You can follow him after you get what you want because he's not going to give you what you want. So, do what you got to do to get yours, and then you can follow me. Right there. Right there. In that moment, in that simple question, right, you have justified why well, you're no longer following me. You see why it's following is so deep? Because once you decide when it's appropriate, and this is your, I'm going I'm to teach you right now why following. This is just my opinion. I think it's biblically supported. Why following is the proof. Because the moment I decide that I don't have to go somewhere, who's God? The moment I decide when, it's, when I should follow, when I shouldn't, when I should listen to him, and when it's okay that I don't, who's actually on the throne? Yeah, I am. And right, we're right back in the garden, aren't we? He doesn't want you to be like him. Eat this fruit, and you'll be just like him. 
It doesn't seem that way when you make those decisions, does it? You very rarely think to yourself, I'm being God, but, the, but you are. Because remember, that's the true rule in the garden. That's all it was. I'm God, you're not. Listen to me. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. Every time you decide what right and wrong is, every moment you make that decision, you are setting yourself up above the Almighty God. Walk in darkness, have the light of life. Follow. Stay with me. Okay, so what, what does that mean? I'm going to follow him. Okay, what, what does that mean, Tangie? You're not going to believe this. I say it when she's sleepy. I got you. Now you're in trouble later. Your mom's already glaring. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> or am I? Uh, Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, now we're going to get something interesting here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? Ooh. We've added something here. We've built something, okay, and we're going to follow me. Mm, not enough. Or, or what does it mean to follow him? I, I don't think this is so much addition as it is explanation. Following Jesus is going to be what? Deny himself. What does that mean? What you want can't be number one. What you feel, what you desire, what you think makes you happy can't be number one. He is telling you ahead of time that To follow him means there are going to be moments in your life when you have to not have what you want in order to do what he wants. Well, Todd, what if it's really strong? What if it's, I just feel that way, right? Am I going to be politically correct? Sure. What if I was born that way? It's just natural. Everyone's doing it. The implication here also is that if if we know that following Jesus means I'm going to have to do things that I don't want to do, or I can't have things that I want, what does that say about my natural bent, about what I naturally want, about what I'm naturally drawn to? It's, it's going to be contrary to the will of God. There are going to be times that you follow, you're not somehow magically, you're not glorified yet. The Bible tells us that. You aren't going to be perfected until the other side, right? Until... Until that moment. So here's the problem. You are always in your life going to have to have moments where you deny yourself. It can be as simple as not saying that word to that person, even though they deserve it, all the way up to not getting in the bed with that warm body. That's not your husband or wife. It doesn't matter. See, that's the problem. We put these grades on this stuff, but Jesus says it very plainly. He doesn't say small, medium, big. He says, deny yourself. Now, every Christian in the world says, amen, but why don't you do it? Why don't I do it? Because we don't want to go where he's telling us to go. Why? Easy, remember? What if? What if he's lying? What if I don't get another chance? What if it's too late? What, what, what if, what if, what if, what if? It's almost like sometimes we think when he says abundant life and good, it's some other definition. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, he wants good for me, but it's always going to hurt. Anyone ever think that? Yeah, people raise their hand. Good, I'm glad you're brave enough to do that. Absolutely, that's a lie. Straight from hell, it's a lie. Because I know me, an imperfect father, right? And I would never, if I have the choice between not hurting or hurting my daughter, am ever going to choose hurt, ever. And I am not a good person, right? So how can I, and that blew my mind, how could I believe that if I wouldn't, who am so fallible and broken, would not do that given the opportunity, would never choose to hurt her, what does that say about God who is the true good father? But let me tell you something. If there's a semi coming and she's in the road, you better believe I'll spear her. I don't care if it hurts, right? I don't care if it scrapes her leg. I will do it. Why? Because I want to save her life. But we don't believe that. You know why? Because we've been tricked. Because life's thrown these curveballs, and we end up believing that every time we follow Jesus, it hurts. Here's the truth. It does sometimes, because that's the second part. Take up his cross. Now, again, we talked about this recently. I don't know where this was at. Maybe it was some of you guys. Um, <clears throat> we have the benefit of hindsight. When he said this, had he died on the cross yet? So what does that tell us? It tells us something that we, we automatically hear the cross, we associate it with Christianity. They heard the cross and they associated it with what? Death. A painful, painful, shameful death. Now you're like, oh, 
What does that mean? People had to. They made Jesus. They carried their cross, right? You know why they did that? Why did he make him carry his cross? It's all part of the shame of it, wasn't it? It's all part of the ridicule. It's all part of, look, look, look. There's some, look you're not a part of us. You're bad. You're a criminal. When we follow Jesus, what's the world going to tell us? You're weirdos. You're cultists. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's funny. We even call other churches that. Why? Because they, they follow the Bible? We live in a world where we will literally call Bible-following churches and use the word cult and claim we're Christians. You, I'm not going to talk to you guys. I almost said you ignorant people and you've been offended. The people that say that are ignorant. You're, you're, you're foolish people, and you need to go look at what happens to those, right, who um, <clears throat> slander God's people. I'm talking about his churches even, right? You think that you're just getting away with that? You're not. And before it was like, Todd, are you talking about you? No, I'm talking about anyone. It's going to, it's going, you have, it's going to cost you ridicule. It's going to cost you shame. It's going to cost its weight, right? Those things were 200 pounds, sometimes more. <clears throat> they knew what that meant. That brought an image. And you, it's going to be, but Todd, didn't you just say that the burden is easy, right? It is. It is, right, when we follow him. But compared to what the world tells us, right, compared to what the world wants us to believe as far as what brings us life, they're going to make it feel like a burden. They're going to make it feel like heavy. And it's interesting in Jesus, when, he, when Jesus is talking to uh, the religious leaders and the Pharisees, one of the things he says in the big woe is you section, right, where he's warning them, calls them brutal things, he said, you put, and I'm paraphrasing, you put weights on people's backs, but don't lift a finger to help them take it off. That's interesting. What kind of burdens are those? The burden of your own salvation? The burden of being good enough? Follow me. If you're in this room, and there was one day this week, one day this week where you knew I should do this, God wants me to do this, this is the biblical, and you didn't do it, you're not following. One time. Now, you might have sprinted and caught up with him, right? That's fine. But you didn't follow. You can do everything else right. You can do, rich young ruler, do it all right. But if you're not willing to give up that thing he's telling you to give up, you're not following. I'll say that again. Somebody's getting some text. Let them know that you're in church. All right, you'll be done after. All right. <clears throat> if you're in the room, all right, if you're in this room right now, and you are one of the people who are saying, man, I'm sure glad he's talking to all those bad people. Guess what? You're not following because you're not getting it. Because we all do that. Now, the beauty is, you know, the, the idea is as we, as we mature in our faith is that those little moments of deviation, right? Those little moments we go off become farther and fewer between, something like that, whatever that saying is, right? They, be, they don't happen as often. We got to accept some reality here. <clears throat> so I'm going to give you a list, and I'm going to explain some things about each one of them. Now, I've given you nice little short sayings, but you, that's not going to be in there. Like, you're just going to, I can't talk. Just watch. Following, all right, following Jesus. What does that look like? What does it really look like to follow Jesus? Number one, you have to do what he did. Crickets, yeah. Do what he did. That also includes doing what he didn't do, or not doing what he didn't do, but doing what he did. What did he do? Well, start simply. Forgave people. Followed the Father. Obeyed? Did it cost him to obey? Yes. Some of you all are afraid to give up a girlfriend or a boyfriend, right? Even though you know you shouldn't be doing whatever it is that you're doing, and you don't want to give it up, not even a boyfriend. And this guy had to go to his death. You don't even want to give up your uh, Netflix show on Sunday. You guys are all here, but you know what I mean. You have to do what he did. He talked to the people. You know, Jesus didn't view people as less than him. Right? He talked to the religious elites, 
And he talked to the lepers and the poor. The people that, by the way, you all think you'd be hanging out with the lepers. No, you wouldn't. Some people me like, I wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. You would not be hanging out. We had a couple lepers coming in here. I'm, I'd watch everybody go. That's what he did, though. Well, Todd, I don't know any lepers. You probably don't outwardly, but who in your life? How many, do you, how many lepers do you walk by that are cast out by society, ostracized, sized, told they're not enough, told they're not good enough, told they've gone too far? How many sheep are you killing in your attempt to clean out all the wolves from the church? Interesting thing Jesus said. Now, there's a role in the church, right? Do you know who actually is going to separate the sheeps? Sheep and the goats, the sheep, the sheep and the goats, Jesus. The wheat and the tares, Jesus. Every time we do that, man, I'm telling you, it's so easy to start thinking that, you know, you're the avenging angel of God. Do what he did. Do you really do what he did? Do you pray? Did you know Jesus prayed? Do you study the word? When did he do that? How did he know what to say? How did he know the word of God? He went up in the temple and read it to everyone. Do you read the Bible? Have you read the Bible in the last 24 hours, 48 hours, three days, week? Some of you all haven't. Month? Year? Some in this room don't read the Bible at all except what they're showing on this screen. That's a lot of pressure on me. Do you read the Bible? Do you take care of the widows and the orphans? What do you mean, Todd? Pure and undefiled religion is this, that you take care of the widows and the orphans. Well, Todd, I don't know any widows and orphans. You probably do, but it's also meaning the people that are in need. I'm not talking about waiting until they come to you. Do you look for opportunities to love people, to meet needs, to be uncomfortable? Will you go out of your way or, oh, I'm on the clock. Part of the reason this, this faith feels dead is because you're not willing to be crazy. You're not willing to go on the adventures God's calling you to go on. That moment when he says, talk to that person, I get it. You think I like talking to every single person? I don't. Everybody thinks I'm this huge extrovert probably because I'm loud and annoying, right? But that's not true. The annoying part is. But you get what I mean. I, it's, it's not true. There's times I don't. You want to know how to do that? Stop living your life for you. It's so empty. Do what he did. And don't pick and choose. Believe it like he's right here saying, follow me, because he is. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, hey, listen, you guys are following me now. The people that are coming later, they're going to have it real nice because I'm going to be sending something to them. A power. A counselor. Number two. I kind of think that do what he says. If he tells you to do it, quit making up reasons not to. Who do I want to offend? Easy. Wives, submit to your husbands. I'd love to get, I'll get a message tomorrow. You hate women, right? I don't hate women. Take it up with God, all right? Husbands, he thought you were getting away. Love your wives. I do. I love her my way. I don't, uh, you know, I don't scream at her every morning. Do you love her as Christ loves the church? Some of you uh, spouses need to stop worrying about the other person's call and focus on yours. How about that? How about you quit telling your husband how to, how to be a good leader, and why don't you just work on being submissive? And Hey, husband, why don't you quit worrying about if she's submissive and just love her? If you do that, things will work out. It is what it is. I have to say offensive stuff so you listen, right? <clears throat> Even if it makes you mad. That's reality. Submissive doesn't mean you're a doormat. doesn't mean you get kicked around, right? It's very simple. If we're, there's a fire right in this room, it's about to burn us all alive, there's two exits, okay? Are we going to sit here and argue about which one to go to? We've got to get our family out of here. How are we going to decide? Let's take a vote and discuss it for 15, 20 minutes, 30, 40 days. No, somebody got to, hey, we're going right, right? That God loves us enough to give us that tiebreaker. Of course, the couple's to work together, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Do you love people? Do you forgive? What I found out 
about Christians is we tend to forgive. This is a wild thing I'm about to say, but I want you to, sometimes I feel like, this is one of those times, Tim, when I'm trying to teach a, what I consider to be a fairly deep thought, and I'm not sure if I teach it right or if people are listening. So you guys will have to give me a nod if you get what I'm saying here, okay? Because this, this is hard to explain, kind of. And you guys are going to, you're very smart, so you're going to say, no, Todd, it was very simple. This is what I think. <clears throat> so if I put on the screen right now, <clears throat> and we did this one time, a video of a biker gang, former murderer, drug dealer, right, alcoholic, and I put on the screen that now he follows Jesus and that he is out, you know, preaching the word to the biker gang folks, right? That's, what would we all do? Amen. You guys would pay money if I told you a crazy story about a guy that killed a bunch of people and I follow Jesus. You'd come in here excited. People sell tickets for that. Now he's a, it's funny, he's a nationally known speaker now, okay? <clears throat> huh, what happens when the person next to you becomes an alcoholic? Ooh, they're not in the club anymore. Todd, Christians can't become alcoholics. <laughs> yeah, they can't become prideful either. <clears throat> Forgiveness is only safe for those outside the church. What a disgusting thought. If you're outside the church, right, and you see, I mean, if, first off, let me go back to that. Do you get the, do you get the, hypo, do you get the hypocrisy, the irony of that? That the guy... We will celebrate, we will, we, because we don't talk about this. We don't talk about, hey, everyone, here's the story of Susie, who's been, a, who's been a Christian since she was five years old. She's went to Sunday school and done all the right things. Nobody pays to come and hear from Susie. But they'll sure pay to hear from Ike, right, the former Satan-worshiping, drug-dealing murderer who now follows Jesus. And you'll all go, amen, what an amazing story. Come preach at my church. But Lord forbid the ministry leader who becomes an alcoholic and struggles and is going through it, Lord forbid that you walk with them and forgive them. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about when I say, you think it's easy in this country to follow Jesus when what I just told you, you know I'm right. You want to know why a lot of pastors fall when you hear about it? Not saying all of them, some of them are evil, okay? It is what it is. But some of them, they can't come and tell you there's a pastor from a big church, and I'm not defending the guy again, not, not, not local. It's a long time ago. I don't want to get canceled again, all right? But this is a long time ago. <clears throat> it's true, someplace in Carolina. All right, he lost his job because he was an alcoholic. Now, that is sinful, right? It is. And, you know, he's, but I think to myself, <clears throat> and, and, and again, I wouldn't say this to him, right? He has a responsibility to do what's right regardless, right? He's got to follow even if there's a cost. But make no mistake, if a pastor, if I came up here and said, hey, everyone, I just want to tell you and confess that I've been struggling with alcoholism, please forgive me, right? Okay, you're gone, but we love you. Do you, do you, do you does anyone, like, imagine if Jesus did that to Peter. <clears throat> he doesn't say that. We are to love each other as he has loved us. We are to forgive as we have been forgiven. We are to carry each other's burdens, the other side of it too, though, we are to confront sin among our members. We are to uh, tell them to repent. We are to call them, and, 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 you know, it takes a long time to get there, but if they refuse to, then we can't allow them to be a part of this anymore, right? But we don't do it the first moment. <laughs> but if they don't repent, right, they can't be a part of this. Why? Is it because God hates them? No. The Bible's very clear. The hope is they come home someday, right? That out there, outside the shelter of God's people, they're going to really realize what, what they're living in. People don't want to do that either. You know how many people have left this church? And listen, we're not a perfect church. There's tons of churches, but I'll use us. You know how many people have left this church angry because they were held accountable to what the Bible says? And all they had to say was, yeah, I shouldn't do that anymore. And they won't do it. You know why? Because you can just leave here and go right down the street to another church and nobody will care. That person's not following. We, we accept these things. Number three, I got to move. Love what he loves and who he loves. Love who he loves. Who does he love? He loves everyone. Did you know he loved the Pharisees? This is where I got to struggle. I got to remember that God loves those Pharisaical people, even if you're in the room and you're one of them. You're over there going, that, that, that guy up there, how dare he? He's not wearing a tie, right? If that's you and you're hating me or whatever, you're probably one of them. But at the end of the day, God loves you too, and I need to love you. And I don't, and I become this avenging angel against the Pharisees sometimes, and that's just as disgusting as someone who, who doesn't love the, the homeless, 
We are called to love people. We are called to, to shine light, right? What is love? It's not just a goodwill like, hello, I care for that person over there, but I hope you find some bread tomorrow. No. It's an action. It's a lifestyle. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's all these beautiful things. Love who he loves. Love the people that are struggling. Love the lost. Don't have signs outside their parades when they're not going to get it saying you're going to burn in hell. That's not going to tell them anything. All right? Anyone that knows me, you're probably like, Todd, but you said this. I know what I said. It is a sin. But how do you expect someone that doesn't know Jesus to acknowledge sin? They don't understand it. You get what I mean? They got to understand the reality of the situation. Because the reality is, those people that you want to stop that lifestyle, if they stop that lifestyle but don't accept Christ, they're in no better situation than they were. Tell the whole story. Love who he loves. Love your church. Love your neighbors. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your kids. Love people. What about when you don't feel like it? Guys, that's, that's it, man. That's how I got burnouts partly, right? You start, you keep doing things, and you eventually, it becomes an action, right? But there's nothing behind you. You love. You choose to love, and the emotion comes. Love people. You're, you're having a faith that's dead. You don't feel alive. Spend the next week. I dare you. <laughs> I made you mad. I dare you to spend your day. Just do this. One, once a day, love somebody that isn't natural for you to love. It could be bringing them a coffee. It could be offering a piece of gum. It could just be saying, hey, it's really nice to see you and smiling at that person you can't stand at work. I dare you to find one person this week every day to love that's not natural for you and watch what happens. I'm not telling you every day you're going to get a miracle, but I bet you get one. I bet you something crazy and unexpected happens. Number four, this is, this is the one people don't want. You have to be willing to be lonely. Ooh. <clears throat> well, I'm married. I'll never be lonely. Mm. I love it. I love furrowed brows. That means I've made you, I've said something that shocked you a little bit, and now you're going, what is he saying? I like that, right? You have to be willing to be lonely. One of the names they call Jesus is what? Man of sorrow. Why do you think they call him that? Because in his obedience to God at the end of the day, it was only him and God. You understand what I'm saying? If your faith... And you're following Jesus is dependent even on your spouse. What happens on the days they're going off? You're going to feel lonely in this world. If you're truly a Bible-believing Christian, you're going to stand out and be lonely even among other Christians. Just being real with you. You think the greatest, you think, you think the enemy wants is like going out and just telling everybody, you know, to worship. The devil, that's how he's getting him? No, man, it's easy. He just makes a form of Christianity that isn't following Christ. A powerless one. That's out there. And this is another thing I get in trouble for because I just call it like reality. You know I'm right. Tell me that your cookie cutter, right, carbon copy, deep clean, disinfected Christianity that you're given prepackaged calls you to do anything that you don't want to do. No. If I want to be popular, right, I give you stuff and I tell you you're awesome. That's it. Easy formula. You have to be willing to do things that even among other Christians you might get ridiculed for. You might feel alone. Oh, if you're in the room and you're not a Christian, I'm going to tell you right now, the moment you start to follow Jesus, some of your friends you're going to find out were never your friends. They just happen to be going the same way as you. You have to be willing to be lonely, and that's the problem. You know, the enemy gets us with that, right? Because you're never truly alone, and you've got to believe that, that God is with you. Listen, there are times in my life, the, crazy, the time that I was probably strongest in my faith, which is so crazy to say, just pure faith, I didn't have any knowledge, I just believed, was when I was utterly alone. Because in the, in the emptiness of that room, right, in the darkness, I had to come to grips with one thing. Did he really mean everything he told me? Is this real? Because that's all I've got left. Which leads me to number five. Keep walking. Keep following, even when it seems dark. You know why? Because Jesus promised that you will not walk in darkness. 
but you will always have light. Follow the light. Follow the light out of the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't matter how many shadows and how much scary stuff. It doesn't matter about the world. It doesn't matter if everybody turns against you. Sometimes it's about gritting your teeth, setting your face like a flint. Look that up. It's a powerful thing. And following him. You know, it says, uh, when, you, when you translate, there's a section when it says Jesus turned toward Jerusalem and set his face like a flint and walked. It means he gritted his teeth and walked to the place he didn't want to go because he knew that's what he had to do. Sometimes that's this faith. You follow through the valley because you trust what's on the other side. You trust what's on the hilltop. What's up there? Abundant life. Life to the full. Joy, peace. But you keep doing it your way. Keep trying to find it. Keep trying to find it in bodies. Keep trying to find it in TV. Keep trying to find it. But here's the weird thing about life. It's very, very short. How many days do you spend in the gray, emptiness? And you trade that because you have a few days of happiness. Do you think I get a cookie to make you believe there's life? Nobody, there's not a cookie. You know, there's not a Christian elf behind that door that gives me a cookie every time I tell you something. That doesn't happen. I'm telling you this because it's the truth. It's real. And if you are in this room, you're like, you have an empty life, you've fallen asleep during the message. <laughs> That's my little trick way to get people, right? Listen, I'm not, I, I can't, I'm not here to entertain you. <laughs> That's not my job. If you can't find truth in this, then you're not. You're, you're, you're not. I'm telling you, you're not taking it serious enough to follow. I'm tired of dancing around that stuff. And then you wonder why nothing's happening. This isn't a genie. You don't rub it three times and there's abundant life. Grow up and follow Jesus. Follow him. Follow him to the places you don't want to go, doing the things you don't want to do sometimes, because that's where the life is. She's going to come play some music, and I'm going to leave you with this. And usually I give you some big speech and some great thing, and nobody listens anyway, right? Don't worry. I'm not getting negative. All right? I want to ask you something, because maybe I'm the only person in the world that, that feels this way, even though you all ratted yourselves out and raised your hands. What areas in your life are you not following? Have you not really committed yourself? You know, I think of the guy, the author. I tell this story all the time. It's mind-blowing. Not a Christian. Decided to live like Jesus. What was it, three months? I can't remember. 90 days, I think. Look it up. There's a book. He wrote a book. You know what he said? My life was better. He's not even empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look this up. A non-believing Christian, a non-professing Christian, and he didn't become a Christian after. He just said, you know what's What was the most surprising thing? I was happier. And he followed all the crazy stuff because he didn't get it. And yet we won't when we're empowered to. I don't think it's because all of you are all me. We don't want to follow. We just get distracted and we start to doubt and we're very fearful, which is why God always has to say, again, I say to you. Why he always has to say, don't be afraid. How many times does he say that? You ever think about why? He's talking to you. Who? Me? Yeah, you. You don't have to be afraid. Trust him. Trust him. I get it, man. I've been in situations, and I'm not going to tell you that that's easy. It's not easy, but it's better. But I can tell you that the moments in my life when I've deviated, right, sometimes I think I can go play by the fire and come back, or I can go out in the darkness and make it back. I, it has led to disaster. And in those ruins, right, in the ruins of your disaster, that the crazy thing is there's those whispers, well, there's no point in following now. And that's the beauty. Because all you have to do is turn towards him. All you have to do is turn back and follow because he's waiting. He's still there, still saying, come to me. All who are weary and tired and broken, and I will give you rest. The promise doesn't end because we mess up. So today, right now, I don't know what you're some of you got, you're so good at acting that, that you seem happy, you, you know, you, you may be hiding secret sin. I'm not even here to tell you, you got to come up and say what that is. What I am telling you is, you don't have to hide. He already sees you. He's never stopped loving you. Pick yourself up and follow him. Because life's still there. Light's still there. The promise is still real. Or you can stay on the ground looking for crumbs of past miracles, right? I don't want that. I want, I want to see new ones. I want to see crazy things, right? You want a living church? Be a different church. Will it be willing to be different to reach people that aren't being reached 
commit to a church, and I'm not even talking about here. I'd love to have you, but some of you all that commit to a church, you don't have to get it. I didn't like church, but if it's not here, there's plenty of good churches out in the world. Go find one that teaches the Bible and follows the Bible and join it and commit to it and do what God says and see what happens. Help that church do what it's supposed to do. And if it's here, stop being lazy. We got too much to do. We got to keep following. Are you looking for crumbs or following Jesus? Do you believe in him or are you following him? The rich young ruler believed him, but he wasn't willing to give up what was necessary to follow him. What are you not willing to give up? You're going to have an opportunity today. You know what altar time is if you're here. It's that chance to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I put burdens on myself. I'm sorry I've stopped following. That's it. And the Bible says, it's a beautiful verse. If we confess our sins, He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Is that one time? If it's one time, we better go find Bob, the motorcycle, biker, alcoholic, killer, right? Because he's in trouble. It's not one time. It's every day. We keep following. We stumble. We follow. We mess up. We follow. We turn away. We repent. We follow, right? What about if Pastor Billy Bob says to hate that person? Do we listen to him or listen to Jesus? Jesus. Do you believe in him or do you follow him? If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, this is the part where you, you, you usually like don't pay attention anymore. Make it really simple for you. You probably know this because you're hearing it in your head and you think it's just your head. It's not. It's God. God made everything perfect. He created you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. And he told us to live this life. And there was only one rule. Everybody's like, man, I can't follow them rules. No, it's one rule. He's God. You're not. He tells us what right and wrong is. And guess what happened? We rejected that. And because of that, sin entered the world. And sin is not just the bad things we do. It's that, in, that part inside of us that wants to do the bad things. It's the disease that causes the symptoms of the bad actions. So you can clean your act up, right? But it never fixes what's inside of you. You can stop drinking and you can stop smoking and you can stop sleeping with all those people and you can do this and do that. And yeah, life might get better, right? You might take a cough drop and stop coughing, but you need someone to cure what you can't cure. We are separated from a holy God because we chose our way over his. And there's nothing we can do to go back. The Bible says that, that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. I know it's not pretty. I know it's not popular. But let me explain to you what the end of the line is for those who won't follow. It's death, hell, separation from God. You can sit here and you can listen to Oprah or you can listen to the truth. That's a pretty hopeless situation. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not good enough, man. I've done this and I've done that. And I, I'm doing this right now, right? I hear this all the time. If I just, I'll, I'll come back when I clean it up. But guess what? You don't have to do that. If I had to wait to clean up, I'm, I'm in trouble now. It's not that. What did he say? Well, this is very simple. Jesus Christ, when we couldn't come to God, God came to us in the form of man. It's a fact. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He lived. He taught us how to live. He told us what the kingdom's like. He told us what it was like before we messed it up and what it will be like again. And then he did something incredible. Remember the wages I just told you about? The wages of sin. That's death. You deserve it. You do. I'm sorry. But I've been good most of my life. Okay. Well, I'll be good for 364 days, and then I'll come in and kill your dog and punch you and steal all your money. And then when I go before the judge, I was like, I was good the rest of the time. And he says, you can go home then. That's not just. Jesus stepped in the way to pay your wages. He died on the cross. It's a fact. Utterly alone. You don't ever have to be. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said to the Father, right? Why have you turned your back on me? Because he was carrying the sin, the, the, this, the vile things that we've done. Three days later, he raised from the dead. Over 500 people witnessed this. Okay, that's a fact. So how do you do this? How do you follow? How do you believe? The Bible tells us in Romans that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You know what that means? It means you say, God, I'm sorry for living life my way. I believe you, Jesus. I want the life you have. Forgive me for what I've done. And in that instant, not 
not when you beat alcoholism, not when you beat drugs, not when you get out of that relationship, not when you clean it up. In that instance, you are forever sealed and saved. No one can take it from you. No one can pull you from his grasp. He said that. He said, I will never let go of one of those that you've given to me. That's what he said. I'll never let you go. You're getting an opportunity today. You can do one of, there's literally two things. That's everyone in the room. Two things. You can make this a time where you're sitting thinking about Taco Bell or your nap or Facebook or Twitter or whatever else you're looking at, right? Tweeter. I'm just kidding. You can do that. You can let fear make you not do what God's wanting you to do. And I don't know what he's wanting you to do. This time is going to be, it's altar time. We're going to play some music. It might be too loud or it might be too quiet. Who cares? And this place is holy ground. The Bible tells us that. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Jesus said that. This is the altar. There's going to be people up here willing to pray. Whether you're one of those people that don't know Jesus, listen to me, tomorrow's not promised. It's not promised. That's scary, but that's reality. Wouldn't you rather walk out of here knowing that no matter what happened, that you're going to always be in paradise forever? And it's not just that. He's going to change you and transform you and bring you a light and a life you've never had before. I promise you, I was that person. I wasn't raised in a church. I didn't know all this stuff, but I knew one thing. This Jesus guy, I wanted what he had. My life has been a journey of walking away and coming back, walking away and coming back, but I'm not going to stop following him because it's all real. And if you're in the room and you know you've walked away or you're not following, take this time to repent so you don't have to live in shame and hiding so you can walk away in newness and joy and peace. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.